welcome back. It's great to be with you again uh, for, for this, our final lesson in our pilgrimage in discipleship as we go through John. Um, as John has presented his memoir, his diary of, of his encounter with the living Lord. Um, and remember, he wrote some years afterwards. But at this phase that we're talking about today, we're going into the last phase of discipleship training. It's called Remain in Me. Uh, in this level, we make disciples of other believers and we assume leadership roles. We are disciple to the place where we're able to multiply ourselves into the lives of others. And as we have gone through this study, uh, John has described how the disciples began where they came to see Jesus for themselves. So it's that come and see phase. This was the personal encounter with the living Christ. Um, and this is required to begin our journey, spiritual journey, to have the Spirit of God enter into us with that personal encounter with Christ. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Uh, then they established basic Christian habits such as prayer and Bible study and fellowship as they enter the phase labeled, come and follow me. This is where they, they were learners. They were learning about Christ. And, and that's what we do as we learn who Jesus is and learn more and more about him. And as their commitment deepens, disciples become trained in leading ministries and become Christian workers. Um, and this is where Jesus said, you feed them to feed the multitude, where the disciples took on responsibilities in doing ministry uh, with others. Um, the come and be with me stage of discipleship, and we spent a lot of time on that one. That, that was, that there's, there's a lot of scriptures that dealt with that come and be with me, uh, that worker phase of, uh, of discipleship. And today we're going to pick up the process, the spiritual um, uh, discipline, uh, discipleship process in John with the disciples are scattered. Jesus has been arrested and um, the disciples just scattered to the winds. Um, and I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to stick to the scriptures as much as tell you the story of how uh, of what took place because we hear this so often as we talk about the arrest and the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Christ. They're familiar scriptures. Uh, powerful scriptures and important, and we'll see how important they are in a few minutes, but I'm not going to, to refer to the scriptures on that. These are events that took place that John describes, but uh, it is thought that the disciple who went with Jesus to the courtyard of the high priest was John. If you remember when Jesus was arrested, they, they took him for a mock trial. Here is where Peter denies Jesus three times while Jesus is being questioned by um, Ananias and Caiaphas. Now it was Caiaphas who accused Jesus of blasphemy and sent Jesus to the Roman governor, Pilate. And John gives some details about the dialogue between um, his accusers that may indicate that he was there during some of that time. He may have been present with Jesus while he was being uh, accused and tried. Pilate handed Jesus over to the Jews, uh, Jewish leaders to be crucified. And, and if you remember in their last section, uh, the, the Jews were seeking an, an opportunity to kill him. They, they were mad at him and they wanted his death. And it seems as if they won. Pilate says, you take him 
and you crucify him. He tried to wash his hands of it. Um, the scriptures indicate that when Jesus was on the cross, that John was standing with Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's the only disciple that we have any record of as being there um, during uh, the, the crucifixion. The others are gone. Um, Joseph of Arimathea obtained permission from Pilate for the body of Jesus after Jesus was um, crucified. And then Joseph was, was a member of the Sanhedrin, and he did not agree with the condemnation of Jesus. Luke's Gospel tells us that uh, Joseph said, this doesn't seem right. Um, John mentions that Nicodemus assisted Joseph in burying Jesus. For recall, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night because he was afraid of the Jewish leaders. But here they are taking the body of Christ and burying it in a tomb uh, nearby. Sometimes believers um, cannot be open with their faith. Uh, and they're called secret believers. It's a, it, it stifles your discipleship, but you can still grow even if you're in a situation where you're not able to share your faith openly with other people. Um, these two were in that situation. The disciples of Christ had been with Jesus during his earthly ministry, but now things were about to change. There was a major change in, the, in their lives as they witnessed the, the death and the crucifixion of Jesus, their leader was, was, uh, was, was killed, and they were afraid. They were afraid these same Romans would come after them and take their lives as well. So they were hiding. They were, they were together, but they were, they were hiding out of fear uh, because their leader was gone. Life was no longer the same. Uh, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb where Jesus was laid and the stone had been rolled away. Now I don't know what she was hoping to do when she came there because she couldn't move that stone. But she came and the stone was gone. So she runs off and tells uh, uh, the disciples and the disciples come and they investigate the tomb and find that it's empty. And, and Mary comes back. Mary evidently followed them back to the tomb and she's in this garden where the tomb was, and she's crying, she's weeping, and she's weeping because even the body of him, not only is Jesus dead, but his body's missing. Somebody has stolen the body of Christ. So she's in this garden, and she's weeping, and Jesus appears to her while she is crying. This is a very uh, important encounter. Mary is crying and doesn't recognize Jesus until Jesus calls her by name. And that is a uh, indication of the relationship that Mary had with Jesus. Remember, Jesus said that his sheep will recognize his voice. His sheep will know him. Uh, Mary recognized the voice of the shepherd. Do you recognize God when he's speaking to you? Do you hear his voice? You know, we hear lots of voices out there. We hear lots of noises in our world today. And God speaks to us. Do you recognize the voice of Christ? The voice of God? 
when God is speaking to you. Verse 17 is um, uh, an important part of the life of the disciples. Um, chapter 20, verse 17. Jesus said, he's talking to Mary, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. So Mary wanted to, to grab Jesus. Why? Because she was used to his physical presence. And what Jesus is saying to Mary is, Mary, things are about to change. Um, I am no longer going to be with you physically, and you're going to have to learn to, to be with me spiritually. I'm going to go be with, with the Father. So don't try to hold on to the past. Don't try to hold on to the way things were. You, you need to adjust to the way things are going to be. You know, sometimes when we lose a, a loved one or a friend moves away, there's an emptiness, there's a space within us, and, and all we're left with are the memories of the past. And, and trying to, to, to fill that in can be um, very difficult. And it was for the disciples. They had to go through having the physical Jesus with them to having the spiritual Jesus with them. And part of it is in this statement to Mary, don't hold on to me now. Let me go. I'll come back to you. Tell the disciples to go wait for me in Jerusalem. And when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you will have power to witness, by the way. God, this, the power of God came upon them there so that they might be able to be a witness for the living Lord. So the transition from the physical Jesus to the spiritual Jesus for those disciples, for those early disciples was very, very difficult because they were used to having him with them. When a Jesus appears to the disciples, he told them to receive the Holy Spirit or to receive God in a different form. And that was, that's the transition for the disciples. The resurrection pointed to the power of Christ. All that Jesus had said was confirmed by his resurrection. He overcame death, and they were a part of that. And, and now they are going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for this living Lord. After Jesus appeared to his disciples, they were left with the decision. You know, they had been with him physically and had, been, had followed him in life, and now he was gone. Now what? What do you do now when, you're, when your leader is gone? When, you, when the person that you had followed and believed in um, is, is no longer there physically, what were the disciples to do? What do you do when you don't know what to do? What do you do when you aren't sure where God is leading you? Well, I think we do the same thing the disciples did. Peter said, I'm going fishing. Now, why would Peter want to go fishing? He was a fisherman. He went back to doing what he knew how to do. And until God tells us something different, we do what we know what to do. We do what we're used to, and then God will direct our paths. And that's exactly what uh, Jesus did. Uh, they went fishing, and Jesus appeared to them. And they had been fishing and hadn't caught a thing. And Jesus comes along and says, Hey, guys, take your, your net and cast it on the other side. And they caught a, 
a net full of fish. It even gives the exact number of fish they caused, they caught. Um, and when we obey Christ, when we do things in obedience to Christ, our works are fruitful. We bear fruit when we are, when we are uh, living in obedience. And this miracle uh, was very important for the disciples because this was after the resurrection and it reassured the disciples that Jesus was going to be with them and he was going to empower them and that their, their efforts would be fruitful. And what he was telling them is this, you're going to be fishers of men. And he was uh, demonstrating to them with the catch of fish how they are going to be used to bring people into the kingdom of God. Uh, it's through the power of God. It's through obedience to God that they were to be fishers of men. And all of that was demonstrated with that catch of fish. Um, and that was a powerful moment in the lives of the disciples because they were used to having the physical Jesus. So, so what do they do now? How, how do they respond? How do they continue the work that Jesus began? With the power of Christ and obedience to Christ, doing our work the way Christ tells us to do it in his power. Then we have the uh, encounter of Peter with Jesus. And Peter is given a threefold commission by Christ. Three times, Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? Do you love me? And it's been said that this is uh, threefold because first Peter had to overcome his love of himself, his guilt, his shame for denying Christ. He had to put that aside. He, had, he could not live in that sense of guilt and shame of having denied Christ three times. And, and, and when we say we love Christ, we have to not allow our, our guilt and our shame and our sin to keep us from so the first commission of, of Peter was, Peter, do you love me more than your own feelings? And secondly, Peter would become the shepherd of the flock in Jerusalem. So that was a, that was a commission to serve me. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. You, you serve me. So, you know, do you love me more than yourself? Do you love me enough to serve me and to serve in my kingdom? So that sense of service was a part of Peter's commission. And thirdly, Peter would die a martyr's death. But Peter, do you really love me? Do you really love me enough to die physically for me? So it's in that call that um, uh, Peter is responding to, um, to the, the Christ so that he might be the disciple that God wanted him to be. And if we are to be a disciple of Christ, we have to answer the same question that Jesus asked Peter. Do you love Jesus? Well, you know, of course I love you. Do you love me more than you love yourself? Do you love Jesus enough to serve him? to witness for him? Are you, do you love him enough to be bold enough to say to other people what you really believe inside? Do you love Jesus? And lastly, 
you know, how much do you really love Jesus? He gave his life for you. What are you willing to give for him? Are you willing to die in order to demonstrate your love for Christ? And that's, I think, the, the piece of this that we need to uh, respond to as we think about, do we, do we really love Jesus? Or, you know, are we in it for what we can get out of him? We've talked about that. Or do we love Jesus enough to really serve him and be used by him? Those questions are critical in our uh, Christian walk and something we need to ask ourselves regularly. What have we done today to demonstrate our love for Christ? True discipleship is rooted and motivated in our love for Jesus Christ. True discipleship is rooted and motivated by our love for Christ. Why do we do what we do in the, in, in, as Christians? Because we love Jesus, we don't love it. For, we don't do it for personal attention. We don't do it to, to to get to heaven. We do it out of love. We love Him because He first loved us. We share that love with others because He first loved us, and it's a response of love to Jesus Christ. Discipleship means continuing to do what Jesus did while He was in human flesh. And that was the challenge to Peter, and that's the challenge to us. Do we love him enough to do what he did while he was on earth? Or do we love Christ enough to share ourselves with a lost and lonely world? Or do we love Christ enough to give ourselves for people who reject us, who betray us, who harm us and hurt us? Do we love Jesus enough to love our enemies? The last words that, um, that John records that, uh, that Christ gave is found in um, uh, verse 22 of chapter 21. Um, Jesus answered um, John. John was talking to, uh, to Jesus and they were talking about Peter. And in verse 22, Jesus answered John with these words. If I want him to remain until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Now, why would John put those words, the last words that, that he had of his encounter with Christ, why, why would he put, him, put them there? Um, my, my sense is what John is, is doing here is he is demonstrating that we aren't to compare how God calls one disciple to the way God calls another disciple. Uh, Peter's calling before God was different than John's calling before God. And that's not up to us. Um, that's up to, to God. Our task is to be obedient to Christ the way Christ reveals himself to us. To act out of faith in what we know about Christ and to live that as openly and fully as we possibly um, can. Don't compare yourself to other Christians. Don't compare your discipleship walk to other people. You can learn from them, but don't let, don't let your life be reflected in their life because your relationship with Christ is unique, it's individual, 
It's a different calling. God has put you together differently than he's put together any other person in the universe. And God wants to use you in a specific, special way. And the, the disciple hears that voice of God and responds to the voice of God. We don't do it the way others do it. Um, but those were the last words of Christ that, uh, that John uh, shared uh, in his gospel. But then the disciples discovered something. And this, I think, is the key to this section. Uh, John doesn't uh, talk about it as much uh, as the rest of the New Testament does. But the disciples discovered that they could not abide in Christ. You can't do it. You cannot abide it. Nothing you do is going to make you hold on to who Jesus is. You can't pray enough. You can't read your Bible enough. You can't do enough good works to stay connected to God. That's not the question. That's not the issue. The real issue is, how much of a hold does God have on you? And that's what the disciples discovered. That it wasn't how much they were holding on to Christ. It's how much Christ was holding on to them that really counted. It's, it's, it's like the, uh, uh, the vine in, in John 15, uh, uh, John 15, 5, describes the life of a person who abides in Christ. And it, it, it says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot live the Christian life in your own strength. You cannot be obedient to Christ without the, the life-giving flow coming from the vine. We're the branches and the vine stays uh, connected and you stay connected. It's, you know, your part is just being open to and sensitive to and depending upon uh, that life-giving flow that's coming to you. But you're dependent on the flow that comes from the vine to the branches. And if you are connected, then you will bear fruit. So how do you know you're connected to Jesus Christ? You bear fruit. God's going to uh, flow into your life through his Holy Spirit and empower you to be his witnesses, and your life will bear the fruit of the Spirit that is flowing into your life from the source, and the source is Jesus Christ. So we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us, but without him, we can do nothing. So the disciples discovered that. They discovered that um, in, in all of their a task in trying to do things for Christ that they couldn't do it until the Holy Spirit came upon them and empowered them to do it. Then they became witnesses. It's when the Holy Spirit enters your life. Now, um, with the disciples, they had the physical presence of Christ and the Holy Spirit didn't come until after uh, Jesus had ascended back to the Father. For us, Jesus is here in the form of the Holy Spirit. And we have a personal encounter with Christ through the Holy Spirit. And when we acknowledge what God has done for us, when we believe in the bottom of our hearts that uh, God sent his Son into the world to, to die for us because he loves us, 
and to, to, to bring us back into that relationship with himself, God enters into our lives through the Holy Spirit, which is what the disciples had to adjust to. It was new to them. We've got 2,000 years of church history. We've got 2,000 years of, of watching the Holy Spirit work in the life of Christians around the world. And, but they didn't have that. So it was new to them. And it was that abiding is allowing God to flow into your life through the Holy Spirit. If we abide in Christ, we will bear the fruit of the Spirit. Without the Spirit of Christ within us, we can do nothing. The test of discipleship is this. Are you bearing fruit? Is your life bearing spiritual fruit? Is your life becoming more and more like the life of Christ? Do others see Jesus in you? Do others see... There's a song about that. Let others see Jesus in me. You know, some of those old songs have such deep theological meaning. And sometimes we just need to repeat, sing the song, if nothing else, to, to remind us that God wants to live through us in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to end our study here. But I trust you will continue to seek the truth of God's Word. Because you see, those are the seeds. The truth of God's Word are the seeds that, that we plant in our lives. And those seeds sprout up and bear fruit. So as you seek the truth, as you allow God to speak to your life, um, and in that good soil, in that good dirt, you allow those seeds to grow and you, you nourish them. You, you, it, it takes prayer and Bible study and fellowship with other Christians to nurture that truth so that we, are, we, we stay true to the Word of God. And, that, and, that, and the seeds grow and bear fruit in our lives. Um, the end of our study together. But discipleship is a lifelong pilgrimage. It doesn't end. For that matter, we will spend eternity learning more and more about this God, this awesome God that we serve. But I hope that this has triggered some thoughts in your mind and heart, that it challenges you to, to, to grow in faith as we learn from, as we seek out, as we study, as we allow God to become more and more a part of our everyday lives, then we will have life that is full and abundant. May the Lord bless you and keep you. We'll see you another time.